I want to be, and I hope that I am known as an incredible transformation coach, but I have the fear. What's the biggest challenge you feel you have now with bodybuilding and fitness going forwards? You see people who put everything into it and I'm like, you're just fucking wasting your time. Welcome to another episode of Shredder Show. Today we've got Mr. Ben Bray, who's crushing it in terms of his online coaching business, also competing, crushing also on YouTube in Dubai, which is telling me here at the moment. Um, highly successful coach from the UK and also a competitor. Um, today I want to delve into his story, some of his practice in terms of coaching the results he gets. So thank you for your time, Ben. Anytime, mate. Thank you for having me. I do appreciate it. Um, first thing I want to ask you, how did you get into coaching? I got into coaching through an insecurity, which was me wanting to get into shape to improve confidence. And that led me to study more, self-developing, and then realising, actually, I've got a 9-5 here that actually bores me stiff versus a selection of nutrition documents and anatomy and physiology that really entertains me. So that kind of led me to the, the, the question, right, okay, if I'm not that passionate about this 9-5, what can I achieve within this space? Which online coaching wasn't really a thing then. It was more like, right, okay, am I going to be a PT? And you know what that brings with parents and, all right, is it a great career? And it was when COVID hit, online coaching blew up and I was already just in that space and so I'd launched a business. It was called Team BeFit, <laughs> very unique. So I'd, I'd launched the business um, and I capitalized on the space in COVID and it was working from home with the 9.5, combine that with coaching. And that's where I really thought, right, there's an opportunity and a gap in the market to blow this up. So that's when I really started posting transformations, educational content on how to stay in shape during COVID. And it took off from there. What was your previous 9 to 5 job? Project manager. It's fucking shit when you're a 9 to 5, right? Yeah, okay. it's, it's, it's not fun. Well, when you're thinking, I think I'm having a bad day and I'm looking out of a Dubai marina, I'm like, remember the fucking like the hour commutes and shit like that it's like it's not that bad yeah context right yeah you've got you've got to be grateful every day obviously as your own boss there's a lot more stresses but a lot more freedom 100% you just remind me of talking about COVID did you get sick of doing fucking home workout videos and body weight shit yeah, I read over probably 500, um, let alone doing home workouts, but I did have a secret gym. So, so I, I, I capitalised on that, yeah. Uh, but it was the anxiety of travelling to the gym at certain days. But I definitely, at one point, was in the garage when it was about minus four training for a good three to four weeks, and I got sick of it. I uh, This is a true story. I had a phase where I had to dress up as a builder, put like jeans and shit on and carry a toolbox, which was my gym bag to go into a gym to pretend I was doing work. Like, build, like building on there. How did you find getting no haircut? Uh, I ended up actually fucking, <laughs> I ended up shaving my head. Yeah, there's a video of me getting like scalped at one point because I just, that was fucked up to be fair think about it. That's, that's what killed me more. Mm. No haircut. Ben likes his hair. <laughs> um, from there, like you mentioned about insecurities because funny enough, I'm the same. I was a fat kid when I was younger mm -hmm. and that's like, I think which probably pushed me the other way. Was that similar to you in terms of background? Yeah, so I was the opposite. Skinny kid. Really, really skinny. Um, and there's always something that sticks with me in my fitness journey. And it was at college, um, obviously took sport. And I was such an introverted individual, shyest person in class. Um, and I remember when the, the, the PE teacher was an ex-Marine at the time, he loved making a clown of people in class. And he used to use me as an example of a skeleton. Two years later, after training and, and, and obviously leaving college, I started the gym. I stepped back foot in that same gym two years later and he saw me and I thought, this guy's not going to acknowledge me. Just as he walked out, he looked at me and just said, good work, and nodded at me. And at this point, I was only just, just kind of scratching the surface of what my physique potential was, but that acknowledgement meant a lot to me. But that's where the journey started and it was almost so addictive for me because I'd come from being... I think at 18, I weighed like 54 kilogram. Fucking hell. So I was, I was tiny. Um, but the progress was really quick. Genetically, I, I realized, oh, I'm, I'm not too bad. I can do quite well. Um, but yeah, that, that's where it came from. And then as, as you know, the confidence begins to grow. The, the, the self-development becomes a lot better in terms of how you kind of bring yourself together in terms of like, I really noticed I developed as a person because the confidence grew in every avenue. And it just became more and more addictive from that point onwards. Uh, I, I would completely agree with that. For me, it's like, I call it like the flywheel effect. It's like, mm. it's hard to get like momentum and confidence in life. But like, when you start stacking fucking wins, you're like, well, I just did that. I can mm. probably do that. And it just like compounds and like confidence is when you like actually see through and do what you're going to say mm. you're going to do to yourself. And you're like, well, I just did it. So what else can I do if that mm. makes sense? Yeah. And I think I applied a lot of what I do in the gym directly into 
what was my degree at the time in terms of work and application and then my nine five and then here we are now in Dubai um, and I think it's just a case of like you said those wins and consistently stacking that hay on that haystack day in day out and getting better do you live on a farm with that hay on the haystack yeah. actually? do you actually <laughs> no I'm from I'm from a background which is a very small town in Rotherham which I used to look at on my bedroom and see constant haystacks and the farm used to stack them every day and the repetition of that stuck in my mind of like right, if I keep doing that with certain things it's going to compound and I'm going to get the job done eventually it's interesting you say that because I think that's the biggest mistake most people are like don't see is they ask what's the secret to mm-hmm. building their body business whatever but they they're not willing to do the monotonous shit over and over and over again they go to the gym tomorrow and they look no different the next day and mm-hmm. they're like well why the fuck is this not working mm-hmm. it's like it takes a while it does and I think if you flip that on its head and you look at people like yourself and me now you've got to be very smart with how you structure that monotonous shit now mm-hmm. so there was a point in my career where I do coaching consults every minute, every day. I've learned now that's counterproductive, that I need to take time out of the business to bring new ideas and be better at thinking. And I realised that quite quickly, that there's a certain level where you've got to be in the business and, and really graft to get to that position. But as you get further up that ladder, you've got to take that step out of the business in order to continually then scale. And I learned that, but I also learned a lot from you the first time we trained together where at that point, I was in the business doing everything. Now I've got like 10 members of staff. So like people who will actually manage the operations. When we trained together, it was just me doing everything. Sales called a lot. And I listened to you and you was like, I've got a team here, I've got a team here, I've got a team here. And I was still that individual was like, no, I've got to own everything in this business. And actually when you take a step back and you employ people who are the right people, by the way, that's when you can really touch on, on, on terri- a new territory. And also, I think what's more important is you actually have the fucking life you want, right? Because like, and I, I went to a John D. Martini event the weekend that was really good in terms of like working out the values of what you want. And it's basically about working out like what's important to you and actually making sure that's the shit you do every day rather mm-hmm. than like, I don't want to be dealing with admin shit. I don't want to be doing like tech crap, like things that aren't important to you, you shouldn't be doing. Um, and then you can actually focus on the strengths of what you're really good at, whether yeah. it's coaching, content, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've learned that definitely. It's like play to your strengths like today, structuring your schedule around what's going to complement your business. I've had a full day doing content. We're down here now, even more content with yourself. Um, and then obviously on the days that I film content, I don't do any calls. I don't do any admin. That's, that's delegated. So you've got to be very smart with your time. I learn structuring every minute within your calendar is a key to success and I thought that's a little bit overkill but actually now I have every meal and, and every minute of every day with the exception of when you're in Dubai traffic um, scheduled the Dubai traffic's probably better than London traffic if you ever lived in London it's no, fucking I've definitely not you, yeah, yeah don't because it's fucking I, I commute with the M, you talk about the bad thing I used to commute with the M25 every day so it was like yeah. that was not a fun time um, what transitioned you into competing initially because that's a big step so with anything in physique development, I think you're always chasing what's next. So I initially got lean for a holiday. It was fairly challenging. I got lean for then a photo shoot, which really challenged me. And it was more like the outer circle that that brought competing to me, not me actually looking at competing and thinking, right, I want to do that. It was more, Ben, you've got potential. You should do this category. And it was almost like once that seed was planted, I'm one of those people that, if I think I can do something and I'm being told by other people, right, potentially it's possible. It was like an itch and I had to scratch it. So that started four years ago and I had a good run at it. Um, and then finishing up, I had quite a lot of mixed emotions of how the preps made me feel during, after. Um, and we've actually just gone through another prep and had very similar feelings, which is kind of worms that I'm sure will open. But it was all about just constant self-development and can I achieve that and can I do well at that? One of my favorite things in life is pushing yourself to the fucking brink. Mm-hmm. Like how far can you push anything, whether it's your body, mindset, business, whatever. Because I think one of the things that I like about that is like, say if you look at fitness, I remember the first time I competed, I was um, working my nine to five job, it was actually eight to six job. And I remember being so fucked, I could barely walk down the street. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just fucking, like people come in and be like, is he fucking sick? Like what's wrong with him? Like literally mm-hmm. asking other people mm-hmm. like, is he ill? Cause I'd look so fucking gaunt. Um, but when you get used to actually functioning like that and you still manage to do all your shit, yeah. when you go back to normal life, it's like the easiest thing in the world, yeah. right? 
Yeah, very true. I had a very similar situation in the project manager job. Eight, eight, nine five, which was an eight six. Every dinner time, I'd get in the back of my car, go to sleep, come back for meetings. My boss would be like, "Is this? Are you actually all right, Ben? Can you function?" And then you, you're writing what you say. You come back, and it's like, "Now I've just finished this prep," and like the the twelve hour shifts are like a walk in the park now. Um, it, it just really makes you realise what your true potential is. And it sounds almost like stupid, but you are pushing yourself to, to the brink. You're eating minimal food. You're running a business and training on what is fumes and you're still managing to, to, to achieve what I personally think like only the 5% of people can actually truly achieve. I, uh, I remember when I competed last year, I was like, it's probably the leanest I've ever been. And actually the last podcast I did with you, I was like fucking super gaunt in the face. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I saw a clip from it the other day. And I remember what I was doing, I was putting on my fridge, like a fucking countdown of how many days it was the show to like, to keep myself out of it. So every time I saw it, I was like, fucking, you just got to endure like 40 more days. Yeah. And it was literally the process of literally just fucking counting down the days. But sadistically, I quite like that in a really fucked up weird way, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. Someone said to me, you've just got to enjoy the journey. And I said, what the fuck is this to enjoy about this, mate? I'm doing an hour's cardio, training when I don't want to train. I've got, I'm getting weaker every session and I'm regressing in every way of life. And I think for me, I was the same. Every day I was like, right, we're well, one step closer, one step closer. But then almost when that show's done, one question I'd ask you is how did you feel? Because I was like, got off stage and I'm like, right, what's next? That and then also vacant. Yeah. Because yeah. you're like, you build up this date and then you're like... The fuck do I do now that and also like you, you lose everything is so fucking structured and then that you almost lose that and you're like I remember my girlfriend at the time saying to me like you're fucking obsessed about like macros and food for like the first week or two afterwards like you need to fucking chill out because I like weighing everything like super yeah. anal um, and that's where you can pick up weird habits and stuff like that and I think it's difficult to almost manage that after the show if that makes sense so I've just been in that exact same position I feel like now the last few days I've just got out of it but I feel you have to make decisions that take a lot of strength in order to get out of that mm. position so it's natural you you've just tracked food and, and tracked everything that's gone in your mouth and your output for such a long period of time like on the flight back I was like right I want to I want to I want to go to the SAE spot I want to do this I want to do that I got here and I didn't do any of it and I was like and I don't think I did any of that shit either. Why, why, why am I not doing this? And it, 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 that's where the, the unhealthy side of bodybuilding can grab you. But I drip fed it in. And the more you do that, I think the more you start to feel human and normal and you start to realise, right, okay, I can get away with this. I can have that balance. But there is a very fine line where you've got to strike and make big decisions as an individual. But I think that's where a value as a coach comes in significantly to help you make those decisions and build that bridge again to being a fucking normal person. I think that the most important thing with that is, is uh, accountability, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like having someone to keep you on the straight and narrow because particularly with competing, like you lose your fucking mind a lot mm -hmm. of the time because the most important thing is like you're objectively looking at yourself, but you can't fucking think straight anyway. So like, mm -hmm. I'm fat, but like when you look back at photos, you're like, well, just like you look like you're gonna fucking die. Like yeah. it's not you haven't eaten anything for like fucking yeah. a month. Um, but your mind is just warped at the time mm -hmm. that you don't see it. And I think, I actually think sometimes you look in the mirror and your your eyes don't actually see the reality, if that makes sense. It's got to be that. Mm. I remember seeing a shot and I looked at it yesterday and I was in Italy on the balcony and I think that day we'd run a death protocol of 950 calories because we travelled. And I remember that day I had, I travelled with three of my best friends, my girlfriend, my content creator. Must have said three words all day and everyone was like, he's really not in the mood. <laughs> Um, and I took that photo when I landed and I think I was three days out at that point and I thought my hips are soft my obliques aren't in I'm not vascular and I looked back at that photo yes and was like wow that is impressive that I achieved that and it's that way the second opinion of a coach is absolutely invaluable when did you first get a coach and what got you into that thought pattern the first time I got a coach I was I was 19 and I was doing a lot of guesswork and with anything that I do in life, I don't like guesswork. So whether that's the project manager role, whether that's coaching, I'd rather go and find out whether I've got to make an investment or whether I've got to commit 10 hours time. So whether that's with study. And I remember just spending a lot of time on macro trackers and training and thinking, well, surely there's a quicker way to find out and there's a quicker way to progress in this. 
So I went and found a local coach, I think he was £50 a month at the time. And he was a very, very good coach. And the decision was really, I just wanted to fast track progress and make an investment into myself to just write, in six months, I want to get to this physique. What's the quickest way and what's the best way to do it? And he, like, he was the answer. Was there any hesitation from you in doing that? Because I think, like for me, for example, when I was that age, I was probably too egotistical to think about asking someone else for help. And that's a mm. big mistake. I see young guys like, oh, fucking, I'll work it out myself. Like, I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think doing your research is, is massive as well. I bought a few like few apps um, at a very cheap rate that I quickly realised, okay, this, this is not going to work for me. But yeah, I think not being in a position where you think you know it all because as an 18 looking back 18 year old guy now you don't know a lot do you and I think investing into that as a coach and fast tracking yourself to progress whether that's within business or physique is is a is a, is a life hack I think uh, the biggest life hack I've learned is thinking who not how so instead of trying to work out like how am I going to get in the best shape of my life is like who's the fucking person who can do that for me yeah that's exactly how I thought when I said right okay I want to turn pro next year Who's going to turn me fucking pro? And that was the selection process of the coach. Who's got the most pro cards? Who's got the people in the best shape? Who's got the most results, right? He's my guy. Let's go and so do it. So you work with Callum now? Mm -hmm. And how have you found that process? He's brought me back to life. So I look at when I first took my first check-in photo in January and I was a little boy. And was that January this year? Yeah. Um, and the goal was to, to compete at a PCA, which you will know is not really the NPC or the IFBB route. Um, and I thought that goal was still a little bit big, but in my head, there's a video now, and I put it onto YouTube the other day saying, I want to win my regional at an NPC level and I want to finish top three pro qualifier. I didn't know if that was possible, but I knew what I'd achieved three years prior without really a long prep or an off season. And we progressively got through the off season. I started to believe in myself. I think I had a, like 27 kilogram. Um, and I went on stage 13 kg heavier than when I did three years ago um, and achieved the goals that I set out. So yeah, I think to answer your question, that that's Cal's process has, has been realizing that I always think big and have those goals, but the roadmap to coaching that he created made me believe it was true. And with anything, I think a roadmap brings things to life as well. What would you say, how long was your off season? Seven months, six months building, one month holding. What was the biggest challenge in that? How I looked and how I felt. And we spoke about briefly before this. <laughs> yeah. So self-confidence moving to Dubai was, was, phenomenal even though I didn't look great physique wise I did to your general population but that's not the goal yeah I need to step on a bodybuilding stage and wow people um and every week that progressed through the off season the, the self-confidence began to creep in um anything social that I did just started getting put on the back burner so even going out for food I was like I'm not doing that anymore because I basically bought a new wardrobe and now we're at a point where I just hated how I looked. I was like, right, I'm just going to be a hermit now for the, the duration. So I think I got told to embrace the off season and I did it to the best of my ability, but it definitely hit my mental health towards the end. It's a, a fucked up situation really. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very difficult way to manage. And I think unless you've got the weirdest genetics in the world, mm -hmm. no one can gain a significant amount of muscle mass in a year or whatever without accumulating body fat and I did the same thing I went from like 90 kilos to 110 and accumulated a lot of tissue but in the same position mm -hmm. of like this is fucking shit yeah and when you're on camera a lot like you and I mm -hmm. and you review your content and you look back at it and you're responsible for posting it and you're like, gonna you, get, you haven't got anywhere to hide right yeah you're gonna get the odd comment and people are gonna pick up on it and like you said there's nowhere to hide and it starts becoming a repetitive process of hating how you look mm. And it's a matter of time till that brings you down as a person and starts to affect you, uh, potentially even business, because you're just not the same person that you were six months ago. Well, it's the confidence as well. You don't want to talk on camera. You don't mm -hmm. want to be out there. You don't want to do X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. And it's that um, snowball effect then, right? Yeah, I came to Dubai to network and I did no networking. I've seen more people in this two weeks that I've been back, done more podcasts and spoke to more people in seven months of living here. And that was because of the off season. So that's the impact it can have. Uh, the other thing I think is fucked up when, when you look at bodybuilding is that you spend ages starving yourself and all you want is food. Yeah. And then you go into the other spectrum, I don't want to fucking eat anymore, but I need to mm -hmm. eat more. 
uh, it's like there's never a you never get to enjoy the phase we actually really look good do you know what I mean no. which is the weird bit the only phase you enjoy is maintenance but when you're like yourself and I we don't really like maintaining any avenue in life so we're a little bit screwed on that one I think um, yeah like if you're not growing or dying right you either go one way or the other mm -hmm. and I think that's where if people choose to go down the path of competing is like some respects be careful what you wish for it's like mm -hmm. use it as a thing to to not try but as like to push yourself mm -hmm. but I think like some people and you know what I mean you see people who put everything into it and I'm like you're just fucking wasting your time yeah because you, you some people you know people either have what they don't genetically right yeah and that that's the, the cruel world of bodybuilding mm. there will be a lot of people who put a lot on the line for very very little in return like I spent a lot of time at shows this year in the UK and fair play to people stepping on stage but I think there's a fine line that you need to have an honest conversation with your coach of what truly is your potential um, and that's why I've done it because I know that with another small push up now I can turn pro and then will I have a run at the pro, pro leagues probably not <laughs> the problem with that is you then you've got another two three years of trying to fucking accumulate tissue at least mm -hmm. And then, because you go straight and you're at the bottom of the fucking pack again. Yeah. And it's just a different fucking game then. So the judge said to me today, if you go pro card chasing and you go to smaller shows, you might pick one up. But why not have a good run at the amateurs and keep winning shows and earn your right to then step on a pro stage? So that's why I bowed out when I did. I could have done a, a collection of three or four shows, but I did my regional, which I didn't need to do. Won that, did the amateur Olympia, which I knew would be the biggest, most competitive show of the year with free pro cards and got the data that I need and was like right okay eight weeks maintenance now let's start to feel normal put business back into full send um, and then revisit it next year what have you got planned to show you want to do next year I want to turn pro at the biggest shows so your amateur Olympias um, and I think the reason behind that is because you know anyone who's doing that show is chasing those free pro cards. There's not just one that's free in your category. So you know then if you're turning pro at that show, you've got the right then to step on a pro stage. Um, so maybe the one in Portugal is, is what I've got my eyes on. Kyle's got a different thought process. He wants me to commit to another 20 week push up. Not told him yet, but I'll be kindly declining that. <laughs> There's not a fucking chance. <laughs> Um, when you push up out of interest, what does your diet look like? What's the main things you eat? Because I, I actually, I, here's a good example. I found in February, I got super stressed with business work mm -hmm. and I was like cranking my calories out. I couldn't fucking eat to the point where I was supposed to eat like 5,000 calories a day. Yeah. I didn't want to eat anything because I was going to eat fucking- And that's hard in Dubai, isn't it? Yeah. And I was like, I just end up fucking eating granola because yeah. I was like, I need to eat something. I'm super stressed and training. I was like, what's the fucking highest calorie thing that I can just, it's easy mm -hmm. to eat. I'll just eat fucking granola because I have no appetite. Yeah, I'm very similar. So I'll have a lot of, lot of, lot of granola, yogurt. Um, but I'm simple. It's, it's a lot of chicken and rice and that's what is the hard part because I don't like to, to get it from a meal prep company. I like to cook it. So Old school. Yeah. So it's a lot of chicken, chef rice. Yeah, and I'm not a great chef. But chicken, rice, a lot of eggs, egg whites, um, cereal, cream of rice comes in, oats. The boring shit, man. But a lot of sauce. What sauce? Barbecue sauce. Hot sriracha. They're the go-to. What, what barbecue sauce? The Heinz one. Oh, fuck, bro. You need to try Sweet Baby Ray's. It's probably like the Is worst. It good? Is it's it banging. Good? It's like fucking legit. I'll give it a go. Yeah, I'm going to fucking send you some yeah. Insta shops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that for me is like crack. When you tried that, it's the fucking greatest thing. If anyone on a fat loss diet, don't do it. But yeah. it's it's good and I think that's actually one of the easy things you can do to manipulate your diet is just fucking adding different sources yeah. you've got to be smart use your oils use your sources and just make sure that you keep track of, your fat, track of um, the fats that you're containing but it's it's not easy in off season I don't I'm in a position now where I don't want to remind myself of the off season just yet and you see a lot of bodybuilders are straight into that rebound and that reverse they're adding 20-30 pounds within two weeks and a lot of that's fluid for me that's fucking like just retarded I can't mm -hmm. think of another word because like agree. The, you're not putting any muscle tissue nope. on and you're going to replenish some glycogen you're going to put a shitload of water back mm -hmm. on your body's fucked anyway from competing you're just doing a 16 to 20 week yeah, it's probably hammered in terms of health perspective yeah. like what, what what are you achieving in that phase 
over them back pumps. Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> like, legit, right? yeah. And also, like, the thing you have after competing is you tend to have a lot of digestive issues because mm-hmm. your body's so inflamed. Like, I was getting really bad flare-ups in terms of, like, gluten and things like that. I couldn't touch anything, mm-hmm. um, which now is not really an issue. And I think that's what most people don't understand is that when you're in that stent state of being so lean, your body's hypersensitive mm-hmm. and super inflamed, anything can set your digestion off. And I don't know if, how did you find eating after the show actually? So I woke up in Italy and I'd only had a small steak and potatoes, little bit of ice cream. And I felt like someone was sat on my chest when I woke up at 2 a.m. And it's enough to then make you think, right, get me back on a diet when I had such, such little food. Did you use any diuretics? Yeah. What was it? It was a mod and I only used a sixth of it. Fuck. Okay. So I used a half and I had the same thing of when I competed in Romania. And uh, I remember, I think I went for dinner and actually all I wanted to do was fucking drink. I just wanted fluid. Yeah, I was sick, I literally, yeah. all I wanted to do was drink. I couldn't fucking drink enough. I went for dinner, didn't really eat anything. Got like some fucking ball of tomahawk steak yeah, and yeah, like yeah. by the end of it. And I remember just lying on the fucking bed like whale fucking turtle abs. Yeah. And like, I feel so unwell. I remember then lying on the bathroom floor and then just being fucking sick and then felt way better. But then just couldn't, just couldn't get a fucking fluid in. What was the rebound like weight wise? Uh, not really bad for the next few days. I sort of just ate what I wanted, but I, I just, I actually couldn't really eat because my stomach was just not having it, mm. which almost bottlenecks my ability to eat like a retard, if that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't eat like a retard, but I traveled a lot. I was, I think, 84 on stage. I only had one day off plan, I was sensible, and I went up to 91. Fuck me. Yeah. Well, I barely moved. I think I went from like 90 to 91. So I've been back into a reverse now for three weeks. Uh, with cardio and every day. This has been the hard bit for me. So like one off plan meal a week, pretty much back onto prep. More food, but yeah, I, mentally that reverse was the most challenging thing. And I questioned whether I wanted to bodybuild again in that week post-show. And that's why I went quiet on social media. I didn't train because I left Dubai in a, I'd say quite a, a rut mentally with how I looked and how I felt about my physique, going back to my family where I just disclosed that I'd gone assisted and 20 odd kilogram up, a different person. And then I returned, got back to where I mentally liked how I looked again for what, a day? And then I rebounded that heavily um, and was welcomed back home. Like my mum like, what's gone wrong here? Why are you this big? And it was just a, a negative rebound and I traveled back to Dubai. And this is where I lost control a little bit. So I flew business, I had a little bit of cake, mate, some ice cream. If I, if well, I transpire, I, I flew first class the last time at the weekend. I saw that. Yeah. And I was like, they were like, uh, do you want an extra fucking tiger prawn start? And I was like, yeah. yeah. And I was like, like, whatever you want. I was like, just, just keep coming. Yeah. So I was at the back of the, back of the uh, bar eating quite a lot of the lemon sponge cake, ice cream. And then I woke up that next morning miserable as fuck thinking, oh, so now I'm back in Dubai where I want to enjoy it. Yeah. And I've got this eight, nine kilogram to drop, but we dropped it in like four or five days. So we was back happy. I think what's interesting that though, a lot of that's always just water weight. I remember mm-hmm. one Christmas I gained five kilos in a day, which is impressive. Yeah. But then I dropped it off within like three days. That's not bad going. What did you eat? Anyone knows me, like <laughs> the Cheesecake Factory. From Costco at the time, I bought a Cheesecake Factory, like an actual cheesecake. I mm-hmm. think I ate like fucking half of that full Christmas dinner, load of fucking cheese. I think there's some alcohol, like everything you shouldn't eat. I think that's what bodybuilding does to you. I gives think you it, bad food. I think it really gives you bad, the, the craving mm-hmm. of bad foods. Like for me, I was never a cake person before I trained or bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. And now like Cinnabon, mate, which I prefer, prefer to Cheesecake Factory. Really? It's yeah. controversial. Yeah, it is. Unless it's, the, the, there's a, unless there's a Cinnabon cheesecake though. Cinnabon cheesecake, which is, it gets a green light over it, but the, the pecan Cinnabon is elite. The um, the one thing I'd say as well, a terrible place I was to diet is in the US because some of the food out there is very much like that. And mm-hmm. it's interesting how you, the worst thing about flying on planes as well when you get caught in that situation is you're bored, you've got nothing else to do. You're yeah. like, just fucking, do you know what I mean? Mm, just eat. And I took meal prep on that flight with me and ate the meal prep. <laughs> And had free fillet steaks in the lounge before. So yeah, I lost my head on that flight and that's probably why I was a little bit miserable when I got back. But you've got to have a bit of a balance. Oh yeah, and I think it's like embracing the experience of things sometimes. Yeah. I think um, there's all well and good in girl self giving yourself shit with things. But I think sometimes it's like, 
it, it happens. It's not you do that every fucking week, right? No, and I'd worked hard. I rebranded the business, competed, achieved what I wanted to achieve. I wasn't going to fly a business like last time on the way home and not eat anything on it. So I indulged. It's also like a bittersweet thing when you're paying a load of money for a flight and the food's really nice, you're not eating anything. Mm. Makes sense. You've got to eat at times. Yeah, sometimes. Um, you mentioned one of the things, obviously, in terms of turning assisted. What's your opinion in terms of, how old are you now? Just turned 29. Okay. What's your opinion in terms of younger guys and PED usage and maybe health protocols of like, like a lot of younger guys follow you and <coughs> coach by you in terms of like, yes, they should do it. No, they shouldn't do it. Like what's the proper manner? Yeah, so I've just touched on this on my most recent YouTube, but I honestly think it's a topic that's not discussed enough in the industry. And I think especially by people who have a big influence. And I would say, unless you have a dream of turning IFBB pro, and that dream needs to be a realistic one, where you've got the genetical potential to achieve it, it's absolutely not worth it. And I would also say, you need to ensure that you've completely expose your full natural potential and I believed I'd done that I was in a position where I knew the risks versus the rewards I'd done my, my bloods um, numerous times and there was good that was the, the challenge for me that the bloods, bloods were good test levels were good um, but I still knew in order to turn pro I was not going to do it naturally I mean can you think of anyone I think of two people uh, Bob, Bob, Waterhouse? Bob Waterhouse who's now He's assisted, I think. And he's yeah. finishing first call outs in America. Yeah. And there's a men's physique guy. Um, and I think he's done around 10 to 11 pro shows now and never placed. He's stayed natural. But he turned natural at a two bros natural show. So he was only against naturals and now he's in the IFBB league competing against assisted guys and not getting a look in. He looks great, he's just not got the muscle mass. And I think that's the thing. I actually like looking at the natural physique because they look so fucking grainy. Mm. It's fucking wild. And also, the ability to push themselves to get that lean naturally, I think is super mm. impressive. They just can't get the size. No, they can't. And the further go in, the further they go into it, their ability to recruit those extra pounds of tissue diminishes as well. So they're up against a, an even bigger challenge. Also the, the health damage that they do going that long lean term is fucking astronomical. Takes them what, six months to recover? Potentially longer. Some of them even a fucking year yeah. I've seen. They test yeah. is fucked for a long time. Yeah, and I talked around that on the YouTube. I said, like, people who are assisted have that ability to recover. Like, man, I'm four weeks post-show, I feel amazing again. And I'm training so well, but you look at the natural side of guys and they'll be feeling in a hole for a long, long time post-show, even regardless what they do with food. What would you say is the biggest thing that's had the biggest impact in terms of growing your physique, in terms of, like, what you've learned or anything that... If you could go back three to five years, maybe be like, I should have changed this in hindsight. I think it's the application day to day of having that same routine of actually eat, sleeping and breathing the life of a bodybuilder, which I've done for the last 10 months. And I think that has directly correlated. I'd love to see a comparison of the natural version of me now in these last 10 months versus the assisted, because I only ran TRT at 150 for 16 weeks of that off season. So it's not been a massive jump up. And I, I think if you truly want to commit to something, whether that is within business or physique development, like you and I have done over the last few years, it's that constant grind and that repetition of that process, not just Monday to Friday, but every single day. And that's what I see is too many people fuck up at the weekends. They don't understand that, yeah, you can be fucking way every gram of rice Monday to Friday, but mm -hmm. if Saturday, Sunday, you go out on a bender, mm -hmm like you, what, what you're doing here you're not going to go anywhere and it's what they do on the Sunday as well they mm. eat shit all day and then the back Monday and it's like well your deficit for the week was 700 calories and then that five guys were 2,500 <laughs> you just fucked your week <laughs> and that, that's why people say oh I'm not losing weight but it's those small things they don't understand mm. and fat loss is basic maths it's so, like calories in calories out like yeah. there's no fucking other way other than that and uh, I think people kid themselves and I think a lot of people kid themselves that they're doing the work when in reality there's missing elements and it's if you really apply yourself like I've applied myself in this reverse very well of how I would have applied myself in prep and I think that's what prep is so good for daily habits and routine and structure that turn into non-negotiables and I think if you reapply those into your life but also the next phase which is an off season or reverse you'll do incredibly well and that's why you see a lot of bodybuilding in Dubai do so well because they're constantly in that grind of back-to-back -back shows year to year, so they have no time to slip. 
I think one of the people who are competing, one of the biggest mistakes is taking too long a gap between shows, do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think you've got to strike while the iron's hot. So I did two shows in three weeks. Well, I, I would do that if you're in shape, you might as well. Yeah. I think I did that last year as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people will do too many shows back to back. I've seen that this year. A lot of guys in my category will do a peak week back to back, back to back, back to back. And I think that's putting enormous amounts of stress and pressure on your body, especially if you're eating off plan after the shows. Well, yes, that up and down, right? Mm. Fucking, like, you get wild swings in fluid and body weight. That's not a healthy situation. What I learned, I'll ask you this question. What's your opinion on, and if, if your coaches ran these yeah. in a prep, high days during prep? Uh, for me, it works really well. I don't know why my body just seems to respond fucking phenomenally from it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll give you a good example. So last year, I think September, I was seven, eight weeks out. I was fucking peeled out my face, like 86 kilos. I could barely um, fucking like walk on the fucking treadmill in the morning. And I was like, the guy who's coaching me at the time was like, I'm completely fucked. Like, I'm an adult. I'm mm -hmm. like literally fucked. I'm not making this up. And he's like, you're being a pussy. You keep going. I was like, I'm fucked. I'm Fuck. like, no. I was like, I'm seven weeks out. I can see my fucking glutes. And I can't fucking do cardio. It's like, this is a problem. And he's like, just man, I keep going. So what I actually ended up doing was don't anyone know do this. I think this is when I met you. Yeah. yeah. You was having, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, so then what I did, I was like, oh, fuck this. I was going to do my own thing. Like yeah. to a degree. Cause I understand my body. So I was yeah, like, yeah. fuck it. So I was like, I just, I, I just pumped in like 400 grams of carbs one day. Next day I actually dropped weight and looked fucking way better. Mm -hmm. So I sent him a photo and I was like, what do you think of this? Like the day before I say, he's like, you look way better. I was like, yeah, I had 400 grams more carbs. He's like, and he'd obviously hit the roof. But like, I'd rather be honest with what yeah. I did. And then, then transparently, I just kept doing it and just not telling him. And what I was actually doing, not necessarily advisable. I, what I would do is I like, that day I'd have like one or two big cookies mm. like around training, like fucking meat ones. And it just sort of carried, just put enough like carbs and yeah, shit yeah. into my system to like carry me. Cause I remember like five years ago, I competed with Jordan Peters. I remember the same thing yep. was like, I couldn't do cardio in the morning cause I was fucked. And I remember him telling me like, just don't be a pussy. And I was like, fuck it, let's keep going. Um, and I just lost loads of tissue and it was just a shit show. Mm -hmm. And then when I go too far, I can't refill back up. And then I remember that from before I was like, don't fucking just like listen to yourself sometimes. Yeah. Um, coaching is a two way thing. And I think that's when, if you've got an athlete who isn't retarded and also has probably coached themselves, like they'll be able to give you the right information to steer in the right way, if that makes sense. Yeah, they'll know when they're flat mm. and they'll know when they need feeding up. But I think it's a very valid point that you make that once you're flat, to then get filled back up is gonna take a lot of food, like thousands of grams of carbs. Mm. For me, the high days worked really well, but it was how I felt after him. Is it the next day? Yeah, the hunger. That, that's what that's, the, that's the problem, right? Because the next day ass. you get so fucking hungry, right? Yeah. You just wanna keep eating. And you look so good, but then you've had almost like, I was, I was running 600 and then 750. And then that day after that, I was full as a house, but so hungry, back onto a non-training day. What was that, was like 100 like, grams or something or less? Yeah, less, about 70 gram of carbs from that big jump. So then I was like, every time they came, I was like, right, embrace, like enjoying every mouthful, every meal, every day. And then I remember the last, the last day and the last meal, I'd just sit there thinking, fuck, back to work tomorrow. But yeah, I think that they're a great tool. And I think if coaches aren't using them throughout preps, I'd question why. My opinion is that's a lack of actual attention to detail with the client because it yeah. can't be asked because it's easier from a coaching perspective just like follow this for a week I'll speak yeah. to you on Sunday and the reality is when you're in that tail end you tend to fluctuate quite a lot and I also think what's important is that sometimes those carb the high carb days stop you going off the fucking rails mm. because the reality is if you push someone so far there's a good chance they're going to be like, just fucking go off on a bender or something. Yeah. It gives them that deadline, doesn't it? I knew there was coming every Thursday, well, yeah, you, Friday. You know, it's not like, like right, we'll I'm be. getting starved for the next fucking six weeks. If you know, I've just got to get to fucking Friday it's, and then I can eat. It's yeah. like the, the finishing line is there. Whereas if the yeah. finishing line's too far, it's like setting an unrealistic goal. Like you're never going to fucking start because you're like, well, I can't fucking climb Mount Kilimanjaro yeah. from fucking Dubai. I can't walk all that way or whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you've got to break your goals down. But yeah, I think that they're, they're, they're a very valid tool, keeping your full performance good, motivation, and like you said, actually getting to that finish line. Did you have any issues digestively during prep out of interest? Yeah, on the high days. Yeah. Um, and post prep, like you said, my digestion in terms of like indigestion constantly is like a common heart thing. Heartburn and stuff. Heartburn constantly. And the foods have stayed the same relative. Um, but it, yeah, digestion and... and 
the ability to kind of partition nutrients for me now seems to have diminished significantly. Like you said, when your your belly blows up, I get that quite commonly now if I'll have an off-plan meal. And I think you've just got to replenish your body enough to get used to it, haven't you? Well, it's very replenishing almost your gut microbiome. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like getting it used to other stuff again. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I did last year was a food intolerance test. And it was interesting that like nearly all the shit I'm eating was fucking causing issues. Because I remember I... I went to like uh, one of the Jamiro hotels or something and I had like an egg white omelette and I instantly just felt like I was going to fucking throw up. Like, you know, like you feel super yeah, yeah, fucking yeah, sick. Yeah. And um, I, it was something to do with egg whites which was triggering me and I went somewhere else and had it again and I was like, fuck me. I got super intolerant to egg whites just out the fucking blue. And it, now I can eat them and it's fine. Mm. Um, but it just shows how your body can fluctuate and change over a period of time. Yeah, I think there's an interesting study that I've read. Clean ideas versus dirty ideas. And this both serve the solid purpose. The only difference between sometimes like opting for a five guys is you can't fully track the macros mm. because they might put 50 chips in versus 40, depends who's serving you. But they can guesstimate, whereas if you're going clean, it's to the bottom. But what the benefits of like a five guys is, it's kind of resetting. And like, like you said, partitioning different foods, higher fats, higher sodiums. And what I noticed both show is I held a lot of fluid around my neck and my jaw. Mm. And that was because of the sodium, the increase in carbs in foods that I've not ate. And I think that's a great tool to try and prevent that sensitivity from new foods being reintroduced to the diet, which I actually didn't do. It was the same fucking food for 15 weeks. So what I remember what I was trying to do was trying to rotate like weird shit, like quinoa I was eating instead of mm. fucking rice and couscous, just like different shit rather than the same thing yeah. over and over again, if that makes sense. Yeah. Using macros is beneficial until you pick a, a food with an index that's not going to keep you full. So yeah. I went past it because I craved it instead of potato and yeah, I fucked up. Yeah, potato's <laughs> funny. You, you just remind me of something then. Um, I remember when I competed at the Romania show um, between the pre-judging and finals, where the fuck it was, I remember Darren, who was coaching me at the time, Darren Farrell, was like, um, go and get a fucking burger and fries or whatever. I think I had, oh, two or whatever. I was like, this is the fucking greatest thing ever. Ever since, I've like, like my mouth's out right now, I fucking love burgers. Yeah. I never liked them before. Yeah. And you think about food focus of how those things are almost like etched in your mind, like it shows how that affects you at that time, I think. Yeah, my I had to go through a complete restructure of liking stuff on social media because at one point, I think it was four weeks out, I'm not sure what happened there, but my explore page was covered in cookies. And I was like, I don't I don't browse social media, so I'll not really check it. I'll just check it, I'll post and that's it, I'll put it away. And I just found myself, mate, on, on, on the explore page looking at these different cookies. And I had to go through Instagram and like like boxing content, like men's physique content, football to just shift this explore page. But after that, it was mentally in my head. So I was like thinking, right, what am I going to have post-show? And the list was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's just that, that food focus. And the truth is I got a box of cookies after my first show. I had the first bite and after that it was shit. So I just moved on. It's never as good as you think it's going to be. Nowhere near as good. You see these people doing these tests instantly after a show, and the first bite's okay, but after that. The um, the bad thing about living in Dubai is, have you heard of Bake My Day? Yeah, I've seen the big um, the big box, mate, with... Yeah. Have you had it? The one yeah, cookies. Like, do me like two weeks ago. The problem is you can be sitting on your sofa if you live <sighs> in Dubai, and if you've got food cravings, so like, well, it's like you end up on fucking the app and then it, it turns up at your door 10 minutes later. Mate. So like, nowhere safe. Yeah. Um, bake my day is nice. I do like Ben's cookies. I know they're only yeah, little yeah, and yeah, subtle, yeah. but they are very nice. But try an ice cream, I'll let you know. I'll send it you over later. Do you like ice yeah. cream? Mate, it's the best ice cream and it's under wraps at the minute. So I'll send it you over later. The, uh, but I think it's just an example in terms of how food can be an issue what would be your answer to anyone who says of how you're trying to cope with struggling that and like having somewhat of a healthy relationship i think what is very helpful is having people around you who are out of the realm of body bodybuilding and see what you're doing yeah because my girlfriend she trains she eats healthy but straight after post show like i had this like i said to you a big list of what i wanted to eat in dubai and i wasn't eating it mm. and she was saying oh we're gonna go and do this or we're gonna go and do that and i was like oh, i've got calls i've got this and she's like she knew I was avoiding it. Um, and I think having someone within your circle who's normal, should we say, um, who's able to kind of bring you out of that and say, no, we're gonna go for here for food. And that that's what's really helped me, but also just like doing things socially. So like where I saw you on the yacht yeah. last week, that's not something I'd really do, but 
I don't really drink anymore, but I just had a drink to just say, right, okay, I've had my drink now. That's that's me back back to, to, to work, back to basics. But you've got to you've got to sell, put yourself in environments where you have no option, I think. Go to a hotel, go and get a meal. Um, otherwise, if you're just robotic, like my routine is, you're just going to do the same things and build a, a, an unhealthy relationship with food. And I've been there before and I'm not, not willing to do that again. Well, I think also then two things happen, right? Like one thing you probably come resentful of it after a while mm-hmm. and you don't really enjoy life. And then the second thing is you probably have a fucking big implosion at some point. Yeah, which you're either going to binge or you, you, you're going to really suffer. I've not binge yet. And I think what I've kind of told myself is I want to stay in good shape. So that's going to require good habits, but I want to enjoy Dubai and what it has to offer. So I've said one day a week, go and sit at like a beach club all day. You're going to get an off-plan meal, aren't you? You're not going to take your meal prep. And for me, that'll allow me then to, to, to build that better relationship with food and become normal. But I'm sure I'll speak to you in six months, mate, and fucking hate food. So I'm not that worried about it. <laughs> I think the good thing though with here is, and I'm pretty much anywhere now, is that you can choose what you want. So like, I go to Jamira Beach Hotel and they have like this fucking, I get those banging tiger prawns and like a chicken fucking salad mm-hmm. and I like a piece of bread. It's like not that bad. No. There's like, the reality is, okay, it might be like some extra fats or some other shit yeah. like that. It's like, for general population people listening to this, like you don't have to fucking stress to that nuances too much. No. I think if people use some common sense, like there's like, the good option, the bad option. Like the bad option is like the bake my day fucking cookies or like you can get the fucking tiger prawns or whatever you want. Do you know what I mean? And I think have a balance of both. I think enjoy mm. your off-plan meal and then the next week go for your dessert and, mm. and shift that craving. Um, that's well, that's what I'm telling myself I'm going to do from this point onwards. A dessert complemented with, with a nice meal. What's the biggest challenge you feel you have now with bodybuilding and fitness going forwards? Pressure from the audience. I think I've put myself on this pedestal now to turn pro uh, by calling the series the the, 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 the road to IFBB pro. And I feel people are already like, what's next? And they sometimes forget there's a human behind the content creation. And it's like my prep series finished last Sunday and already been asked the questions without one week of upload on YouTube is when's the off season start? And it's like, let me fucking breathe. Let me, let me get back into Dubai and enjoy a little bit of life. And I think it's that pedestal that I've put myself back on that I am going to turn pro and I am a man of my word, but at the same time, is that really what I want? Because I've been in a position before where I felt the exact same of how I do now. And for me, I like to... You have to enjoy the process, nice right? Yeah. I like to enjoy the process. I like to wear nice clothes. I like to sometimes hide the fact I'm a bodybuilder in an outfit. And I've not been able to do that. And that's the challenge. So I already know where the 2025 Ben will go. Where's that? And that will be um, back to more of a lifestyle physique. Um, but at the same time, that puts in a huge amount of pressure for 2024 version of me to turn pro. And I will do that. I've told myself that, but I do know that will come with extreme mental challenges of where I've got to push my mind and my body again, because that prep wasn't easy and the off season wasn't, and it's going to be a rinse and repeat of that. It's interesting you mentioned that because when I went to this event, the work weekend it was in Istanbul and Turkey, 95% of the people in this event were like Turkish women. And there was like five other Westerners and like this fucking blonde fucking Jack dude. Everyone's like, you know, when you like, you instantly stand like a sore thumb. You know, yeah. what you, mean? you mentioned like the guy who like trying to not look like you work yeah, out. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. just sitting there in a t shirt and everyone's staring at you like, yeah, who's this guy? Yeah. It's, uh, and, and you don't notice it. I've become more aware of it recently, but you don't notice it when like you hang around bodybuilding gyms. All my friends are trainers, but like ra- everyone just, they, like, I don't know, some random stages to be like, what do you do? You train it. I was like, I'm fucking just wearing a t shirt and shorts. Like, yeah. Um, see what I mean? What I realized is put me in a gym. I look like this, I'm happy. Take me out of a gym, put me in a social environment, I'm, unha- I'm unhappy. And that's the, 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 the kind of ratio that I've got to balance at the minute. I went for an evening lunch um, at a nice restaurant at the weekend and I put what was just like a, a smart outfit on. And straight away I thought 12 months ago, I'd have been happy with how I looked in this outfit. But flipped that on its head in 12 months ago, when I first moved to Dubai, I was miserable in Benus when I was training. So it's like a swap for a swap. And now I'm happy in the gym and unhappy out of the gym. And I think for me to, to operate as a best individual, it's striking that balance between the two, which 
I think is incredibly hard to find. So I said to you before this, it's trying to work out the values of what you want and yeah. what defines you and then correlate with that. Because I think what you said then really resonated a minute ago is that I feel intrinsic pressure to like from externally of like, what's he going to do next? Or like mm -hmm. people expect you to do stuff. And when you start living your life by what other people expect of you, you then sometimes don't end up living the life you want to live, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree strongly. For me now, I've put myself back into the, the bodybuilding world and exposed myself to a completely different audience. And that's brought a whole new level of pressure. But I do thrive under pressure. So I think I'll embrace it for what will be another year. And then people have already asked me the question of what happens when you turn pro? My goal was to turn pro and I think I'll have one, potentially one run at a pro show. But my expectations going to that show will be absolutely nothing. And then once that door is closed, it will be a case of full coach mode. For me, I, I know that I am a good athlete, but I want to be remembered as a coach. And I think there's a lot of people within the industry who can't quite decide what they want to be. I'll ask you one question. So this is a, something I read the other day and it's... Um, how you identify yourself says everything like who are you i want to be and i hope that i am known as an incredible transformation coach but i have the fear that now my own journey is almost level playing field with my business so it's a case of striking the balance of being able to advertise about them both and that's the you might have seen more recently i'm structuring content again because i feel as everybody does on a prep series physique update every week and I fell into the trap of that so it's a case of now getting business back into a position where it's I'm the, the face of it and I'm a coach again because whatever you what you said then as a coach you said coaching first that's the thing you really want to do mm -hmm. and that says everything yeah for me how I knew that as well was identified on this prep we're a week out I had to say to Cal for two days, I couldn't take photos of myself. I just got so bored of it. Getting up in the morning, it was freezing in like the Three UK. times a day. Yeah, photos. I just said, look, two days off photos. I'm not going to do anything off plan. I just need to, I just need to, to take a rest from that. And the excitement was not looking at myself, which I can see from a lot of people in the, the bodybuilding world. It is. They see the photos and you can see the excitement. It was looking at the clients. And that excitement was diminishing a little bit because of my energy and my productivity day to day. And I thought, I never want to feel like this again. And I knew straight after I stepped off stage, I was ecstatic with the result, but I was just so excited to feel normal again and get back into coaching because I took a week off. And I already know like, I want to be remembered and leave like a legacy for what I built in the coaching space, not a legacy within the bodybuilding space. I think that's a strong note to finish on. Um, how should people find out more about you then? So you can find me on Instagram, which is benbray underscore newgen, um, and then benbray on YouTube if you want to follow the journey, which is more biased towards bodybuilding. For now. Yeah, for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, for everyone who enjoyed the episode of the podcast, make sure you leave it a review. If you share it to your stories, I'll share it on Instagram. I'm sure Ben will as well. Make sure you give them a follow and stay tuned for the next episode coming up soon.